Good morning. Uh, today's daf and sukkahs nun gimel or nun beis malbeis. We're about eight nine lines from the from the bottom of the amud. Uh, Arba Salamis, We are going back to the mission. We're going to go back and uh, fill in some more details regarding the description of the simchas beis hashoeva after the first day of yantiv. So as we're approaching the first day of cholamot of sukkahs, so uh, we start a celebration. A celebration in the beis hamikdash. Described as simchas beis hashoeva. Uh, one of the reasons why it's described as simchas beis hashoeva, uh, or the reason why it's described that way. Is because water is going to be drawn from the uh, from the Me'ashiloach in order to perform the Nisa Chamaim, which is going to be done on the morning of the morning of uh, Chalamo. The truth of the matter is, is that uh, it's also going to be done the first day of Yantav as well. But in terms of the celebration that accompanies it, so that begins on Chalamoid. Uh There's going to be music. There's going to be uh, both vocals and there's going to be instruments as well. And uh, there's going to be a lot of a lot of simcha. In fact, uh, maximum amount of simcha. The uh, mission opened up. Uh, two days ago by saying that Misha Lora, if somebody did not see the Simcha of the, uh, Simcha's Beis HaShoeva, so Lora Simcha Biyamav. He did not see Simcha in their days. So, uh, really was the epitome of, uh, of what Simcha is. And so, uh, so a description was given back in the Mishnah regarding some of the details that, uh, that revolved around the Simcha's Beis HaShoeva. So, uh, first of all, the lighting. So the lighting was provided by, uh, four poles. On the top of the four poles, you had menorahs. And, uh, so, uh, and ladders take, uh, took us up to the top of the poles, in which you're gonna provide oil that's gonna last, uh, the entire night. And, uh, it provided illumination. So, uh, a couple details regarding the lighting. So that's where we're gonna be starting off this morning. We are on Nenbeza Menbez with Arba Sulamba. So there are four ladders because there's gonna be four, uh, four fixtures, if you will. So, Tanagovisha Menorah Chamishamama. So, in the Brisa, uh, the Brisa tells us that it was 50 amas high. The mission didn't tell us how high it was. Uh, so the Bryce tells us that it's 50 amas high. 50 amas high, again, just to give everyone a sense of what we're talking about over here. So that's approximately 100 feet in the air. 100 feet in the air, uh, that's, uh, that's something. Uh, about 10 stories high, if you will. Okay, uh, again, I'm just ballparking over here. In other words, an ama is somewhere in the range between a foot and a half to two feet. So just to make our numbers simple, so I'm just assuming two feet. So it's about 100 feet in the air. Okay, I couldn't imagine climbing 10 feet in the air on the ladder. And if you can imagine climbing a hundred feet in the air in a ladder, so that's something. And so now, uh, going up the ladder, so you had Pirche Kohanim, Young Kohanim, and they'd be climbing up the ladder, and they'd be carrying a jug of 120. Now, and I say a jug, so the Gemara now wants to know, we buy Lahu. So the number of 120, is that a number for every one of the Kohanim? In other words, you had four fixtures, four Kohanim, and each one of them was holding 120 log. Is that the Pshat? Or no, is the Pshat in the Mishnah is it's 120 log total. So then take 120, divided by four, so that's 30 each. What's the correct Pshat? So Tashma, the Gemara says on this, I could say definitively, because we have a Raisa. Uviyadehen, ka deshemen shoshim shoshim log. So you had jugs that were, sorry, uh, jugs that were 30 log each. Shehem kula mehavesim log which makes for a total of 120 log. So over here, the Mishnah is definitive. Sorry, the Bryce is definitive. That's going to be 30 each. Now, 30 log each. So again, if I could just help uh, us uh, wrap, our, wrap our heads around uh, how much that is. So 30 log is approximately 10 liter. Approximately. Again, th- th- there's a range in terms of what the, what the conversion is of a log to, uh, to our mine units of uh, volume measurement. But uh, let's just let's just for the uh, for for a moment think that they are considered that uh, thirty log is equivalent to 10, uh, 10 liters. So ten liters, if you will, that's five soda bottles. Okay, 
just to just to give you a sense of how much each one of them has to hoist up uh, hoist up the ladder. Okay, it's a, it's, a, it's a good amount to be walking up a ladder with. So Tana Vehain, Mishubachin, Mishubachin, Hayyosmi Benashal Marta Ben Baisos. Now how impressive a feat it is? So the Gemara says very. Well, actually the Gemara says more than that. It's actually more impressive than that of Marta Bas Baisos. Now or the uh, or sorry, I should say better, the son of Marta Bas Baisos. So, okay. Yeah, we're five lines from the bottom on Nun Bezum and Bez. Thank you. So uh Marta Baisos. So the Gemara says so uh, as far as the son of Marta Basbaisus is concerned, So he was able to walk up the ramp and he was able to carry uh, two thighs of a really large ox. And he would walk real slow. And despite the fact that it was really heavy and generally speaking, if something's really heavy, you don't want to be slow about it. You want to walk quicker. But he was so strong that he comfortably was able to walk at a casual pace, carrying these two really large pieces of an animal. Now, despite the fact that he could do it, so the Kohanim said, you know what? The, uh, th- this work has to be distributed amongst other Kohanim. Why? Because if you have a job that can be done by multiple people in the base of Mikdash, we have an idea of Rav Melch, the idea that... Uh, when you take the job, divide it amongst others, and, and you have everyone participating in it, and you have more people participating in it, so it's more honor to Akarish Baruch Hu. This is a principle that we've gone through numerous times through our chas of Birov Am Hadras Melech. So to which the Gemara says, fine. So, so the Kohanim carrying up the, th- sorry, the Kohanim carrying up the 30 log, so that is actually, uh, up the ladder is actually more impressive. Okay, just give me one. My Mishubachin. So what makes, uh, what makes the Kohanim going up the ladder even more impressive than that of the son of Marta Baispaisus? So Elam and Mishum Yukrahani So the Gemara says, are we talking about weight? We're not talking about weight. Because the, the size of the two pieces of, of, of ox, uh, that was marched up is going to be weighing more than the, uh, than the oil. Well, we already gave a description of how much the oil is going to weigh. It's approximately 10 liters of, uh, 10 liters of oil. Okay, and so the Gemara's assumption is, is that the meat is going to be much more in weight than the, than, than 10 liters of oil. So, So the Gemara says, what makes it impressive is the incline. So when you're going up the ramp, so yes, it's at an incline, and it's at a pretty steep incline as well. But nevertheless, you could still walk up the incline. Right, but when it comes to the ladder, you don't walk up a ladder; you climb up the ladder. And over there, it's nearly a vertical, uh, a, a, vert- a, a vertical line going up. And so the Gemara says, so just based on the incline alone, it's more impressive to more impressive to carry the oil up the ladder than it is to carry those big heavy pieces of ox uh, to go up the um, uh, to go up the um, uh, to go up the um, uh, to go up the ramp. Okay, so the Gemara says it's just simply, it's, it's more impressive a feat. They're both impressive, obviously, but the Gemara just simply does a short side-by-side comparison. Okay, yep. Right, right. So, Tana. So, okay, so now we talked about the, we talked about the light fixtures. We talked about, uh, the, the amount of oil that's, uh, that's carried up to the top. And now we're going to be talking about the actual illumination that's provided. So the Gemara here quotes a Braisa, as we are now on the top of Nengimah Medalev. So, Isha, Haisa, Bareres, Chitim, Laor, Shabes, Hashoeva. So, what kind of illumination is provided? So, you could have a woman, and she's going to be going through the week to make sure to select the good from the bad from the Or Shabes, Shoeva, from the light that's provided from the base Hashoeva. Now, uh, the, uh, uh, the, uh, 
that is the amount of illumination that's provided. That's the illumination that's provided. So good. So on one hand, it certainly reflects that that's a lot of light. In other words, if you're able to, uh, if you're able to sift and, and, and uh, go through, uh, go through kernels of wheat. So that's a lot of light. Uh, the problem says Tosfos is, um, that light, uh, belongs to what? So that light belongs to the base of Mikdash, meaning that light is being provided by oil of the base of Mikdash. So that's what's called hektish. You, uh, by you going ahead and sorting and selecting through your wheat, using that light, that's what's called me'ila. You're being moabah hektish. Are you allowed to do that? So Tosu says, no, you're not allowed to do that. So if that's true, so then what are we talking about over here? Take a look at top. Just one second. So just uh, take a look at the top Tosus over here. So Birushami Parik Heikh Bareris, Haika Miila de Shemin, Upsila Hayusha Hektesh. So the Yerushami asks this question, uh, Tosus brings down the Yerushami. And that is the Yerushami wants to know, you can't do that. So the Yerushami's answer is, that, yeah, but that's not Hana. Meaning when you're talking about things like sound and appearance and smell, so these are Hana's that don't, uh, that, that, uh, that are not going to trigger the Isser of Mi'ila. In other words, Mi'ila means that the, it has to be the kind of a Hana where it's a tangible Hana. And if we're talking only about something where you look at, or something that you're able to smell, or something that you're able to uh, hear, so that's not enough of a tangible benefit where it triggers off the Isser of Mi'ila. Tosu says, okay, I understand the Gemara's answer, but I don't understand the Gemara's answer. Vikasha. Tosu goes on. Now, as far as the Bavli's understanding of this, the Bavli says, look, when it comes to Kol, and when it comes to Mare, so even though there's no Isser of Mi'ila, there's still Asr, meaning, as we've discussed many times, when it comes to Mi'ila, Mi'ila is very formal. Mi'ila means that you violate the Isra of Mi'ila with all of its repercussions. Having to pay back full restitution, adding on 20%, 25% to be more accurate, having to bring a carbon usher Mi'ila. So that's very formal. But there are many times where you may not be formally violating Mi'ila, but it's still going to be prohibited. You're still not allowed to get benefit. Tosos quote cites the Gemara Psachim. So when it comes to Kol and Mare, so even though there's no formal Isra of Mi'ila, Still usher. So, uh, so the Gemara, so, so Tosa's understanding over here is that when the Gemara gives a description of what a woman could do, it's not that she will be doing it, it's that she could be doing it. In other words, there's enough illumination provided so she could be doing that particular activity. Admittedly, it's strange that the Risa selects an activity that she's not allowed to be doing, but still, the point is, is that it just gives us an idea, a sense of how much illumination is being provided. Uh, we're in Gimomadal for two lines down, and now we're going to be starting off with some of the more popular and famous Gemaras that are associated with the Simchas Beis Hashoeva. Gemara quotes the Brisa Yesh Mehemar Memashayilu Tzenishalabaisha Ziknoseinu. So some uh, some group of people say, "Look, Baruch Hashem, we grew up in a from home." And we've been from since birth. And as a result of that, uh, we, we have nothing to be embarrassed in terms of our youth. And So that's a description of the, uh, what the Mishnah described as the Chasidim and Anshe Maisa. And the And then there's another group of people who say, look, you know, in our youth, so we weren't so, we weren't so observant. We didn't grow up in an observant home and we weren't observant in our youth. Or maybe we did grow up in an observant home and we still weren't observant in our youth. Whatever the case is, but, now, Baruch Hashem, so we are, we, we, we are, we are, we are Shomer, Shomer Torah, Shomer Mitzvos, and now, 
Uh, Baruch Hashem. At, at least now we're Bali Shuva. So Ela Bali Shuva. And so the Gemara makes an obvious point, which is, that's a description of Bali Shuva. And so they both can agree. It uh, doesn't matter if you're from for birth or if you're a Bali Shuva. You can, everyone can agree. Look, obviously the best thing to do is to, is to, is to be observant your whole, your, your whole life. But if you're not observant, we have this thing called Shuva and a person could do Shuva. Okay. Tanya, we learned in a bright, so Amr Lava Hilla Zakin Shishaya Samech, the Simchas Besa Shueva, Amr Kain. So, and when Hilla Zakin was involved in Simchas Besa Shueva, Hilla Zakin obviously was a, uh, was, was a participant during Baisheni, and they had Simchas Besa Shueva during Baisheni, and so he said, and perhaps one of the more, one of the more famous statements made in, in the entirety of Shas, Imani Kana Kolkan. Now, literally translated, if I'm here, so everyone's here. So now this statement, statement made by Hilla Zakin, so it sounds like, Sounds like a funny statement. Sounds like he's boasting. Sounds strange. So Rashi says, yeah, but you, we're not understanding it correctly. Rashi writes over here, I'm going to read the Rashi inside. So, uh, so what Hillel was telling everybody is that, look, this is an exciting time over here. It's a, right, uh, to, it's a party. And, and so, and so what I'm telling everybody is everyone's got to be, everyone's got to be really careful. Hillel wasn't speaking on his own behalf. He was speaking on behalf of a Karish Baruch Hu. Imani kan hakol kan kozman shani chafetz bebaisazeh. The ani over here is a reference to Karsh Baruch Hu, meaning Karsh Baruch Hu says, "Look, as long as I'm here, we're going to have a base of mikdash. But once I remove myself, we're not going to have a base of mikdash. And obviously, what is going to be dependent on whether I'm here or I'm not here? It's going to be on the way everyone behaves. So the imani kan hakol kan kozman shani chafetz bebaisazeh vishchina si shuyabo yehekva dukayim viavo hakol kan." So as long as, as long as the Shekhin is here, so then we're going to have a functioning base of Mikdash. The Intechtehu v'asalek Shekhinasi miyavokan. However, if the Jewish people sin en masse and, and, and I remove my Shekhinah, we're not going to have a base of Mikdash anymore. Okay, so it was basically the way Rashi understands it. It was Hillel not speaking on his own behalf, but on behalf of a Baruch Hu cautioning the Jewish people, right? Even though, look, it's really exciting now and it's really Labadic, but at the same time, however, it's got to be mitigated. There's got to be a sense of there's still shechina b'makam and our behavior over here is going to really be the the uh, the uh, the deciding factor of whether or not the shechina is going to remain or it's going or, or, or the shechina is not going to remain. Vimeinikan, sorry, let me go back to the Gemara. Vimeinikan mikan, and and if I'm not here, and again, this is Hill speaking on behalf of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, so nobody's going to be here. Who are ya Omer Cain l'makom shani ohev? I'm sorry. Who are ya Omer Cain? Uh, 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 and another statement that was made by Hillel, and that is, is that the place that I want to go, that's where my legs are going to take me. Okay, so it, it's it, it it sounds simple. The Gemara is going to uh, going to amplify how powerful a statement that is. Furthermore, you come to my house, I come to your house. And, and you don't come to my house and I don't come to your house. And again, by the way, with working within Rashi, by the way, the Rashi really works out well in terms of stringing together the statements over here. Meaning, again, he's speaking not on his own behalf, but on behalf of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Meaning, you come to my house, you make a house called to me, meaning uh, Ali Al-Rago. So then what I'm going to do is I'm going to come to your house and I'm going to give you a bracha. And if you don't come to me, meaning you're not Ali Al-Rago, I'm not coming to you. So you come to me and I'm going to come, I'm going to reciprocate, come back to you and provide bracha for you. 
as long as we are recording the statements made by Hillel Zakein. So the Gemara says, so let's go over another statement made by Hillel Zakein. Now this statement is made more popular by the Mishnah Navos. So you're going to find this in Pirkei Avos, in the second parak of Pirkei Avos, and over here our Gemara quotes it. And that is that he saw a skull floating through the water. Amar la, so now he's speaking to the skull. Now he's not speaking to the skull, he's speaking about the skull. But it's a, he, he's saying case in point. Al da'atafta atfucha. So you drowned somebody else, right? In other words, why is it right now that there's a floating skull in the water? So this person was drowned. And now why was this person drowned? This person was drowned because this person drowned somebody else. Umetifcha yitufun. And those that drowned you, so they themselves are going to be drowned. So in other words, mida keneged mida. What comes around goes around. And this idea of, uh, of Hillel, of mida keneged mida, it's, a, it's, a, it's an idea that Rashi uses throughout Chumash, right? If, uh, if I could say that, one of, the more, one of the more classic themes of Rashi throughout Chumash is mida keneged mida. So it's, it's, right, it's, it's found right here. And our daf in the Mishnah in Pirkei Avos, uh, Hillel says it. Rav Yochanan says something very similar to what that which Hillel said, and that is the place that I want to go. That's where my feet take me. Rav Yochanan says it a little bit differently, but it's the same basic idea. My, my legs are going to be serving as my guarantor. The place that I need to be, that's where my legs are going to take me. Okay, and so what we're going to learn over here is that what Rav Yochanan really means is the hashkacha. Meaning, you find yourself in a, per, in a particular location. It's because you opted to go there. Eh, not, not so much. It's because the Karsh Baruch Hu needs you there. The Hashkacha is going to be that the place that you are is the place that Hashkacha has put you there. Gamar is going to illustrate this in a really powerful story. Hanu Tarte Kushai So there were two Kushim in front of Shlomo. Kushi over here says Rashi to be understood as two really good looking men. Okay, uh, the, uh, when the, when the Torah describes Sipora, so the Torah describes her as an Ishakushis. So you take a look at Rashi over there. Ishakushis over there means that she was, she was beautiful. So over here, Rashi says same thing over here regarding these two men that are in front of Shlomo Amelech. Now obviously, the story that we're about to tell with the two men in front of Shlomo Amelech, years, centuries prior to the Rav Yochanan statement. Okay, we'll come back to that. So, Il Charof Ve'achia Ben Shisha. Apologize for the pronunciation. I probably got both names wrong. Anyway, so Sofros to Shlomo Havu, so they were the scribes of Shlomo Amalek. They served Shlomo Amalek. So Shlomo Amalek sees the Malachamavis. Shlomo Amalek was not only dialoguing with, uh, with, with humans, but even with spiritual entities as well. I know the Gemara says it matter of fact, but Shlomo Amalek having a conversation with the Malachamavis, for Shlomo Amalek, it's just another day in the life. So Amalek Amayit Sifta. So he asked, Shlomo Amalek asked the Malachim Avos, so why are you so sad? So Amalek, the Kabbal Minai, Hanutarti Kushai, Diyasu, uh, Diyasu Hacham. So, uh, so Malachim Avos says, because I got two names that just came up, and that is, uh, you're two Kushim, right? You're two scribes, you're Sofrim. So they just came up on, on my, on my, on my list of people that I need to collect. So, okay, so I, I, I need to collect them, uh, which means that they're gonna die. So now, Masrinu Lisi'irim. So Shlomo Amalek says, well, that's not good news. So what he does is, is that he hands over his two scribes and he gives them over to Si'irim. Rashi says, shade him. Okay, so now what he's going to do, Shlomo Amalek was a Melch not only on the, on the physical world, but also a Melch on the spiritual world as well. Again, the Gemara says it over here so casually, so, so matter of fact that, you know, it's, it, it, it is, it is, it is surprising. It's, you know, it's, it's definitely something which, 
it shouldn't, it shouldn't be, it's not, it's not just a regular day in the mill for, you know, for, for, for any of us for, for hundreds and hundreds of years. Okay, but for Shlomo HaMelech, so fine. So he calls in the Shadim and he says, look, you see these two men over here? They need to be escorted. So he, he points to the Shadim and he says, you're going to be responsible for escorting these two men over to the, um, over to the, um, to, to a particular city. Which city is he going to take them to? Shadrina Lemechuza de Luz. Take them to the city of Luz. So we know that there is a city of Luz uh, where uh, people don't die. Okay, the... Um, Why is that? Yeah, right? <laughs> it's a good question. So, So now, as they were approaching the city of Luz, in other words, I'm assuming over here that within the, within the framework of the story, so they didn't actually get there. But as they were approaching the city of Luz, so the Malachim Avis picked them off right there. So, so the next day, so Shalman Melch sees the Malachim Avis and, he ha- and he's particularly happy. So, so the question is very simple. No? What made you, what made you so happy today? So, uh, so the Malachim Avis says to Shalman Melch, well, look, on one hand, they were on the list, but also on the list was, was written exactly where I need to, go, where I need to collect them from. Meaning that the list said that I can collect them, but I can only collect them upon the entrance to Luz. And it happens to be that that's where I found them. So as much as Shlomo HaMelech was sending them to Luz in order to save them, unbeknownst to Shlomo HaMelech, that's exactly where they needed to be in order for the Malachim of us to collect them. So, miyad Pasach Shlomo Va'amar. So Shlomo HaMelech learned a lesson, a hard-fought lesson, a, a painful lesson, but he learned a lesson, and that is, Ragloi Dabar Inish Inun Arvin Bey. The legs of a person serve as the guarantors. Aser de Midbay Taman, the place that you need to be, Movilan Yase. That's where your legs are going to take you. So in other words, uh, Kadosh Baruch Hu has a hashkacha, and you find yourself in a place, so you, you decided to go there. No, you didn't decide to go there. That's where Kadosh Baruch Hu wanted you to be. Okay, so obviously over here, it touches on really powerful ideas, ideas that I can't fully explain or articulate, meaning, of course, we have Bechir Chavshitz, but at the same time, however, there are certain things which are predestined and, 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 and situations, circumstances are predestined. The easiest way I can, I, I can say it over is, is that obviously the decisions we make, that, that, those are our decisions. But the environment that we find ourselves in, the circumstances we find ourselves in, that's Hashkacha. Now, yes and no, meaning, obviously, people decide to make Aliyah. It's not, it's not as simple as I'm presenting it, and I realize it's not as simple as I'm presenting it, and I, and it's complicated, and more complicated than, than I can articulate it, but there is a balance between our ability to make our own decisions, and at the same time, uh, being placed in certain situations by Kaddish Baruch Hu, because that's what the Hashkacha demands. Okay. Tanya. Amar Allah v'Rav Shemam Mengamel K'Shaya Samech Simchaz Beis HaShoeva Ayanot HaShmon Avukah Sh'or V'Zorek Achaz V'Noto Achaz so Rishimang Ben Gamaliel was a ju- was a juggler. Now, before getting onto his juggling skills, so the first thing that we really need to establish is Rishimang Gamaliel lived during the during the time of the base of Mikdash. So the answer is yes and no. Now that's a funny answer, but there's more than one Rishimang Ben Gamaliel. If you go down the Shalshalos, if you go down the Misora, so there was a Rishimang Gamaliel who was in fact living during the time of the base of Mikdash, and then there was a later Rishimang Gamaliel who did not live during the time of the base of Mikdash. Obviously, the Gemara is now telling a story of an earlier Rebbe Shimon and Gamliel, who obviously lived during the time of the base of Mikdash. Okay, and now we get to his juggling skills. So what he was able to do, so he was able to juggle lit torches, and, and, and uh, eight, eight of them. Okay, that, that, 
I, I could do three, and I could do three non-lit. <laughs> so, okay, so that's, that's amazing. So, I'm sorry, and then he could do an unbelievable acrobatic act, and that is, is that he could put his weight on his fingers and, and, and kiss the floor. Now, it sounds like his feet are up in the air, so regardless of whether they are, they're not still. The idea that he can, that he can bend over and, and apply all of his weight to his fingers and kiss the floor, vizokef. And right, uh, it, sound, it sounds like his feet went straight up in the air. In other words, that uh, he went to- totally vertical. Now, this is something that nobody else can do. Okay, it was an unbelievable acrobatic feat. Vizui kida. And, uh, and, and this is what we describe, what we call kida. In other words, there are different ways to prostrate oneself in front of a Karsh Baruch Hu. So this maneuver over here that we describe, which is really unique to Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, so we go, it goes by the name of Kida. Now the Gemara says, Levi Achve Kida, Kami de Rebbe vi Idla. So the Gemara says, now Levi, so he tried to do Kida in front of, in front of Rebbe. Now why was Levi trying to do in front of Rebbe? There's no base of Mikdash, meaning now, now we are definitely at a Tkufa in Jewish history where there's no base of Mikdash. So what's Levi doing over here? So it will become evident in just a moment. He wanted to entertain Rebbe Yudanasi. Right? Okay. Uh, you want, you want to make the Rebbe happy. So you entertain in front of the Rebbe. So that's what he want, that, that's what he was trying to do. And meanwhile, it went really south. In that, he got injured. And so the Gemara says, Now the Gemara says, Now wait one second, the Gemara Antanis. The Gemara Antanis says that there was a famine, meaning you're going to see a lot of those kinds of episodes in the Gemara Antanis. And it happens to be that Levi made a really, really sharp and critical comment about a Kaddish Baruch Hu. He said something he shouldn't have said. Essentially, when we're going to get to Tanis, short enough, he essentially said, Kaddish Baruch Hu, right? It's your people right now that are in desperate need of rain, right? Right? You're, you're, you're there. So he said something that was really sharp and really critical and, and biting, and he shouldn't have said it. And the Gemara over there says that as a result of that, he became lame because he said things that he shouldn't have said. And so the Gemara says, so which one is it? Meaning, what caused his lameness? Is it the, is it, is it that which he said in Masech Tatanis, or is it over here when he was trying to do Kida? The answer is very simple. The answer is both. So, Vahavaha Gamar Leg. So, uh, the Gemara says, both. In other words, when a Karshbar, when you do something that deserves, that deserves an Onish, so Karshbar will punish you. When will he punish you? When you're at a vulnerable, a vulnerable point of time. Right, this uh, re- very very reminiscent of the of the Gemara and Shabbos that describes that, uh, that 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 women during childbirth. So, if they were lax in certain areas in halacha, so it's at that point in time when they are really uh, vulnerable and really susceptible. So that's when a Baruch Hu is going to be manish. In other words, a Baruch Hu works within the natural order of things, and so at times of vulnerability, if you don't have the zechuyah, so Kadosh Baruch Hu uses those times to 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 extract. So Levi performed in front of Rebbe, juggling eight knives. Okay, now before the kida, after the kida, right? I don't, I don't know, I don't know. So the Gemara says Shmuel kamei Shvor Malka betamye mazge chamra. Shmuel would be juggling in front of Shvor Malka. Shvor Malka, right? Uh, un, uh, not totally clear, but seemingly is a non-Jewish king that lived uh, that that reigned somewhere in the. In, in, in the bubble area, and Shmuel had this. This we know. This we see a number of times. He had a relationship with him, and Shmuel would entertain in front of Shvor Malka. I know it sounds strange. Shmuel's a you know he he, he was he was a Mar Asra. He was the right. He was the leader of the of the Nahada community. 
Okay. And again, at what point in his life are we talking about? Unclear. But still, the point is, is that he entertained and, and he did so by juggling. Now he juggled, he juggled cups. And, and Rashi says it's rather impressive because the jugs were filled. And he didn't, he didn't spill while he was juggling. Okay. That's uh, impressive. And Abai Kame de Rabba, Betamya Bay, Vamerle Barba Bay. Now Abai would juggle in front of Rabba. Right, Rabbah was his Rebbe, his father, right, the the one who who took care of him both physically, spiritually, and so Abai performed in front of Rabbah and he juggled eggs. Now, some say eight eggs, some say four eggs. Okay, so again, the idea over here, these last three episodes that we just went through, not only is the performance done at the Simchas Beis Shoeva, but anytime you want to create a, uh, a a moment of joy and happiness, so and you want to perform in front of your Rebbe, so the Gemara the Gemara seems to endorse such a practice. So uh, when we when we experienced the Simchas Beis Hashoeva, so there was no sleeping that was going on. So we were in the base of Mikdash day and night, no sleep. Now So we're going to now go over the Seder Hayom and the Seder Halayla. So as far as Seder Hayom is concerned, so you first had the Carbon Talmud, then you had Tefila. By the way, the Gemara over here is really clear. There was both carbon and there was tefillah during Baisheni, meaning the the, the was instituted by Anche Knesset Agadola, and that was there, that was at the beginning of Baisheni. Now we say in the Gemara Brachos that tefillah is keneged tmidim that we daven in, in 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 lieu of the fact that we no longer have carbonos. Now we're going to say a little bit differently, right? Or or, or, or we're going to sharpen our understanding. It doesn't come in lieu of the tefillos; it comes in conjunction. With the tefillos. So over here, we're getting a really clear description. So it would be the carbon tamid. It would also be tefillah as well, meaning chakras, what we call chakras. Misham the carbon musaf, misham the tefillah and musafim. And now you bring the carbon musaf and you daven musaf as well. Misham the base measures, misham the achil So then you would go to the base measures to learn and then you would eat and, and drink. And remember, it's sukkahs. Okay, so you found a, you, you found a, a, a nearby sukkah. So presumably. So misham the tefillah samincha, misham the tamishal bain. Uh, now there would be mincha and then there would be carbon. Interesting over here that when it comes to, when it comes to mincha, you first daven, then you offer the carbon. I, I can guess why the order over here gets, get, gets switched around, but it would be a guess. I don't, I don't know if I'm right. Uh, I'll pass on, I'll pass on my guess. So, and then, so that was the entire day. Now what about the night? Okay. And the night was simchas beishoeva. That was the celebration that was done that we've been describing now for the past couple of days. So Eni the Gemara says, now, this is done for the entirety of Cholomot of Sukkot. Okay, so that's a lot of consecutive days in which you're not sleeping. Humanly possible? The Gemara says, no, it's not. It's, it's not humanly possible. And that, that brings us to the Gemara's next question. So Eni v'amar av Yochanan shvush lo ishan shoshiyamim akinoso v'yashan altar. A person makes a shvur that he's not going to sleep for three consecutive days? Impossible. Physically, humanly impossible. And so what you do is that you give the person malchus for making a shvur shav, and he can sleep immediately. In other words, his shvur does not take effect. And for making a shvur shav, so you get malchus. So, so, so how are we going now? Seven consecutive days now. I, I, I know it's not seven consecutive days. We already learned that it doesn't override the Shabbos. It doesn't override the Yantif. But we could be talking about six consecutive days in which you're going to have Simchas Beis HaShoeva and you're not sleeping for those six consecutive days. Impossible. So, Elahachi Kamar. Lotan Tam Shena so the Gemara says, you're right, it is impossible. So when we say no sleep, what we mean is no bed, no, 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 no eight hours. 
uh, what people do is they 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 hop a little snooze uh, the uh, the uh, along the way they right uh, they took a break you lie down on somebody's shoulder and and and, and you got a fifteen minute power nap but there was no there was no there was no sleep over the course of the night. So someone made the following comment in front of Rav Chista, someone who was involved in a Gadata. David. So there are 15 steps. Now the 15 steps corresponds to the, to the 15 Shiramalos. Now to go in correct chronological order, obviously David and Melch preceded the Beis HaMikdash. So first he composed the 15 Shiramalos. Now... In, in, in response to that, when building those steps that go from the Ezra Snashim up to the Azara, so 15 steps. Okay, good. But, but that only gets us to how come there are 15 steps because of Davin and Why did Davin and compose 15 Shiramalos? Why specifically 15? So, you know, it goes back to when David was digging up the Shisin. Now, David did not build the base of Mikdash, but he laid the foundation, right? They, uh, the uh, number of Gemara speak to this idea that David Melch wanted to build wanted to build the base of Mikdash. He was a Melech, and so as part of the uh, as part as part of the uh, the mission statement of the king, so a king has got to build the base of Mikdash, right? The uh, the Rambam writes based on the Gemara in Sanhedrin three things that need to be done in succession: appointment of a king, destruction of a Malik, and building of the base of Mikdash. So David is the first formal king. Uh, yeah, there was Shaul, but David was the first Melch Yehuda. And so now, uh, presumably, Amalek was destroyed, and now we wanted to build the base of Mikdash, and the Kosh Baruch said, no, you're not going to, your son's going to, and, and for reasons which we're not going to go through right now. But fine. So, but what David Hamalek did do is he laid down the foundation. As part of the foundation, the Shisin. Now, we go back to a Gemara that we did all three days ago, and we had a major debate in the Gemara, whether the Shisin were created by Kosh Baruch or whether they were man-made. So, presumably, over here, our Gemara doesn't, doesn't draw back to that Gemara, but presumably, over here, what we're describing is uh, the, the shisim that were man-made. Again, it's a machlokus, but let's assume that they were man-made. Uh, certainly our Gemara over here is assuming that, because David is now digging it up. And kapitahama ubay ta'ama. So what does he do? He hits a pipe. Now, I don't really mean a pipe, but in other words, basically what he did is he, he got down to the water. And, and now when he got down to the water, so the water started coming up, ready to flood the world. So amr david chamesh esrei malos vahori done. And so what he did is he, he said his shiramalos, which lowered the water. To which the Gemara says, wait one second, slow down with the story. So So what does it mean, shiramalos? Malos means he wants it to ascend. He didn't want the water to ascend. He wanted the water to descend. Right? The water was coming up and he wanted the water to go back down again. So what does it mean, shiramalos? It should be shiramalos. So the Gemara says, so, so, um, so Rav Chista said, so, um, you know what? You're right. Correct. Correct. I missed a part of the story. Let's go back. Let's say over the story again. Let's say it over correctly. And you're absolutely right. So we'll start off with the same way. So David Amalekh was digging in order to create the Shisin, to create the, uh, the, 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 uh, the hollow area underneath the Mizbeach. And meanwhile, so good, so he, he hit water. And not only did he hit water, but the water was coming up. Flooding the world. So David Amalek says, look, I, here's, here's my plan. I'm going to write Shem Hashem on, on, a, on a piece of shard, earthenware shard. I'm going to drop into the water, and the water's going to come back down again. And, 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 flood, and flood avoided. Now, how did he know that that strategy was going to work? I don't know. But he knew. 
So, but what he wanted to know is, is that obviously that strategy, strategy is going to involve erasing Shem Hashem. You're not allowed to erase Shem Hashem. Now, he's not erasing it. It's going to happen on its own. It's, gra- it's grama, but still, are you allowed to do that? Now, the question is a little bit strange because if the world is going to be flooded, so we're talking about pikuach nefesh. So what can you do for pikuach nefesh? Uh, almost anything. And, and certainly, mechika Hashem would certainly seem to, seem to be able to bend if we're talking about pikuach nefesh of the entire world. So uh, the Gemara doesn't ask that question. It's an obvious question, and I don't have great answers. But anyway, so he, had, he asked a shayla. So v'nishleh b'tahomaz, we're now on the top of the of Nungimam and Beis, and v'nishleh b'tahomah umanach. I'm sorry, that was the end of the sentence, which I should have read. Uh, so basically what he wanted to do is he wanted to throw the shard into the water so that the water would go back down. So leka dekamer leimidi. So now Dabra's looking around, he's speaking to Tamid Chachamim, and no one's answering him. No one's giving him an answer. He's asking a shayla, he needs an answer. No one's providing an answer. So Amr David called the Adla Amr So David at that point in time now gets really serious. Look, somebody knows an answer and is not saying it right now, so he should be choked. Okay, uh, uh, this this detail, really interesting detail, but this detail over here where he like really needed to coerce somebody to give him an answer, and and why nobody was prepared to give him an answer, I, I don't know. It's certainly interesting, but anyway, okay, so he he had to get a little bit rough. So Nasa Achitofel Kavachomer Ba'atzmo. So Achitofel came up with an answer using a Kavachomer. Umala So Shalom Enishli Ishto Amar Torah Shmei Shmi Shenichta Betusha Yimcha Alamayim La So Shalom. Sorry, Yimcha Alamayim. So to create peace between husband and wife. So Yerei Shem Hashem. Obviously, we're talking about the process of Sota. And so La So Shalom Mecholam Kula Alachas Kama Vakama. So to create Shalom for the whole world. So for sure, you could Yerei Shem Hashem. Okay, certainly it sounds like from his answer that we're not talking about pikuach nefesh. In other words, if we're talking about pikuach nefesh, so then the answer would have had something to do with pikuach nefesh. So over here, it's a lack of shalom. Okay, again, not not perfectly clear in terms of what exactly the flood would have would have done to the world, not kill the world, but 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 decrease the amount of shalom. It, it, it's I don't fully understand. Just an admission on my part. I don't fully understand what what's happening over here in terms of the flood. But anyway, but Achitofel said, "Look, if you can erase the Hashem Hashem to create shalom between husband and wife, so for sure the the erasure of Hashem Hashem for for this person purposes would be fine." So Amalei Shari Shari. So he says, "Okay, now my kavachomer tells me that it's mutter, right? A, a person can make a kavachomer. A person can construct a kavachomer on their own." Now, obviously, you have to be knowledgeable. You have to be a Tamil Chacham. The, the, the logic has to be airtight, right? Most of the time, it's not airtight. And so, uh, so, but nevertheless, he made a Kavachamer. So, Kasav Shema Chasma Vishadil Tama Vinachistama Shitza Arf Alfei Garmide. Okay, so, so Davin Amalek did exactly that. Wrote Shema Shem Anashard, put into the water, and the water table dropped. Dropped 16,000 Amas subterranean. Now, that's not good. In other words, the land needs to be fertile. The only way the land is fertile is if you have a water table that's not 16,000 amas subterranean. So, He says, we need the water table to be much closer to the surface. And so what does he do? So remember, the, 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 the water table now is 16,000 amas below ground. So what does he do? So, he says, Shir Hamalos. Oh, now, now with this extra detail, so now what, what we understand. He wants the water to ascend. He wants it to go up. So he says 15,000 amas. The math over here is really easy. So it was 16,000 below ground. Every, every Shiramas that he said 
raises it a thousand ama. Okay, good. And so now the water table is a thousand amas below ground. Okay, but that's much better for the ground, for the earth. So Amr Ulush Mamina Simcha Daara Ape Garmide. So 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 Ula says good. So based on this, now we can all conclude that the surface area of the ground is a thousand is is, is a thousand ama. Now the Gemara says, now is that true? Okay. So I did a little bit of research, and uh, it's, it's not that hard. So you do a little bit of research. So you want to dig for you want to dig water for a well. So how far down do you have to go in order to dig water? So okay, good. So. So it's so e- it's so easy to research these days. So anyway, so you you don't have to go more than a hundred feet into the ground, if that much, in order to draw water from the ground. So the Gemara says, so what do you mean a thousand amas before you get to water? It's not true. And Vahakazina de Karina Portavanafke. The Gemara asks exactly that question. You don't have to go a thousand feet into the ground in order to get water. You can extract water at a much a, 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 a much more shallow area. So the Gemara says, "Vinafke um, Maya, Amra Mishar Shau Misulamustapras." So the Gemara says, uh, "Oh, that's the Sulamustapras, meaning that the Euphrates River uh, is providing water uh, at a higher water table. Meaning that when we're talking about the water that the subterranean water of of the world, so to say, so that's a thousand ama uh, below ground. But there's plenty of water sources that exist between." The surface and a thousand amas, but that's being provided by natural well springs and natural water surface, uh, n- natural water sources. Obviously, the Euphrates and Bavel was the most popular water source. So what it's going to do is it's, it's going to go in. It's not only running the ground; it's also running through the ground as well. And the uh, and so when you're digging, when you're digging and you're getting well water uh, that is much that's much less than a thousand amas, it's because it's being provided by these natural springs and and these natural water sources. Amdu Kohanim B'Shar El Yon Shiyarein by Rav Yirmi Lamalasir Senachis Chamisha Vekaya Saro Duma Senachis Asara Vekai Achamisha Teiko. So as much as we gave a description of uh, the Simchas Beis Hashoeva, where they would be walking down the fifteen steps, so they would stop at step number ten. So the Gemara asks a really simple question: fifteen steps, got it? Stop at step number ten. Is that ten from the top, or is that ten from the bottom? And the Gemara says, it's an excellent question. I don't know the answer. Take it. Tana Rabbanan, just to finish up to the Mishnah. So in the description of them walking eastbound to the eastern gate, so what they would do is that immediately prior to getting to the eastern gate of the Ezra Snashim, they would turn around and they would bow to the, to the, to the base of Mikdash. They would bow to the Shekhinah. And they said, our forefathers did not do this. Our forefathers remained east and bowed east, meaning they were over to Vodazara. They bow to the sun. We, on the other hand, so we learned our lesson. We're, we're not being over to Vodazara. So, but the language of the Mishnah is a little superfluous. They, um, they, um, they, they, they faced east and their back was to the west. Well, of course. If you're facing east, your back is to the west. So, So, unfortunately, in description of the Earlier generations that were over the Vodazara, so not only would they be fa- facing east, but they would be defecating in the west in, in the western direction. Now, obviously, that's it, that is shocking, and obviously a, ter- a, ter- a terrible affront. And uh, th- that they wouldn't say explicitly, but they they made reference to it. So, Anu Lashem Lashem Einenu Inivam Rabizera Kol Amr Shmashma Kila Amr Modim Modim. So the Gemara says to repeat Shem Hashem. So you're not allowed to repeat Shem Hashem. The uh, the the Gemara quotes over here. Uh, that if you, but if you say Shema Shema, repeating Shema Shema, 
So you are, it's like, it's, it's if you're acknowledging two deities, which is uh, the antithesis of, of Yiddishkeit, meaning we're monotheistic, not, right, we, 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 we don't, uh, we, we, right, we don't have any kind of duality. And so this idea that you say, you say Shem Hashem two times in a row, so the Gemara says, that's not appropriate, that's not right. Ela hachi, hachi amre. So the Gemara says, okay, so we're just going to reinterpret it. So really what it is, is that we are Tarakash Baruch and we're, and our hopes and our tilas are Tarakash Baruch But it's not just a repetition of Shem Hashem. It's a, it's a statement that's to be understood in its totality, that we acknowledge Akash Baruch and we hope that Akash Baruch answers all of our tilas. That's the, the basic meaning and the intent of their tilas. Okay, we'll stop here. Uh, tomorrow we'll pick it up with the Mishnah. Okay, quick, a quick recap. Okay, uh, just a, a, a really enjoyable job today. Describing the Simchas Beis HaShoeva. Uh, some details in the lighting. Uh, how, how high the lighting was. How much oil was used. How much illumination it provided. That was the beginning of today's daf. Then we went over Hillel. A number of statements that were made by Hillel. Uh, some of them really popular. And hopefully we gained understanding in terms of the statements of Hillel. Including but not limited to Mida Keneged Mida. And also the idea that uh, the place that you are, that's the place where, you, where your legs took you. And we understood that in, in the context of Rav Yochanan. We, stood, we understood that in the context of Shlomo Melch and the two scribes. And we went over the story regarding the two scribes. And then Simchas Beis Shoeva, it was a non-stop event. It, 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 it included both the day and included the night as well. We went over the entire schedule for both day and for night as well. Uh, we went over the Shira Malas of David HaMelech. Why 15? Why did he compose 15? So it had, to do, it had to do with the water table. He was digging for the Shisin, and, 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 he, and, and he hit a water source, and the water started flooding the world. And so he took Shem Hashem and put it into the water. It dropped, dropped down 16,000 Amas. And so he said 15 Shira Malas, bringing it up to 1,000 within the earth's surface. The Gemara acknowledges that the water table seems to be not that deep. So the Gemara says, you're right. And so there are natural water sources that provide water between surface and a thousand amas, but the, uh, but the actual, as far as the actual, uh, the, the actual water that is subterranean, it really starts at a thousand amas, uh, outside of the natural springs. Um, and uh, just a couple more details, which we tried to, uh, tried to investigate in terms of the Simchas Beis HaShoeva. What, what tenth step is the mission making reference to? The Gemara says, excellent question, unclear. Uh, oh, by the way, right again, this is well beyond my purview. But the idea that they're fifteen and there's a, there's a, and the idea that there's a stopping point of ten—that's the yud and the hay. Meaning, right? They, you see all the tefillos involve Shem Hashem with the yud hay. So obviously, that's fifteen, and with an actual break between the yud and the hay. And so and now th- that's where I can get you to. Now, obviously, after that, the question of whether we're starting with the ten and then with five, or we start with five then with ten. Okay, obviously, right, now we're in an area that's well beyond my pay grade, but I understand the basics in terms of what the Gemara is trying to gather with the 5 and 10. And then finally, the last thing we did is the, uh, the unfortunate behavior of the earlier generations, Adkan.